0: everyone i hope you're really well this week welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host zoe blasky where each week i chat about all things motherhood and well-being my mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you to feel happier more joyful calmer and more alive whatever that looks like for you So maybe this podcast is going to inspire you to look at your health and self-care. Maybe it's thinking about your career and making work work for you. Maybe it's looking at your relationships or your relationship with yourself and finally addressing that inner critic and making a commitment to being kinder to yourself So I chat to all sorts of well-being experts and game changers to help you become your healthiest, happiest and most alive version of you because that is what I think is the most inspiring thing to become for our children. Before this week's episode, I just wanted to tell you a little bit more about Family Album, the family-focused photo-sharing app that I'm sure you have noticed has been supporting the podcast. One of the things that I really, really love about the app is the One Second Movies, So the app automatically takes one second clips from the movies that you've uploaded and creates and compiles them into a short movie. And I've just been sat here watching the latest one of Jessie from the past couple of months. And it's so beautiful. So I've just been sat here sobbing, but also pregnancy hormones. And I know that our family absolutely love it as well whenever they see a new movie in the app. So Family Album is the app to share and enjoy the everyday moments with your family, wherever they are. I'd love you to give it a try. Let me know what you think. Download it from the App Store or wherever you get your apps. I know I say this every week, but I am so excited to share this one with you. It is with Maisie Hill, whose book I am sure you have probably heard of called Period Power. So Maisie is a really sought after women's health expert. She's got a decade of experience as a hormonal health expert and also a birth doula. The reason I'm so excited to share this with you is because when I read Maisie's book and I got to grips with my cycle and what my hormones were doing at different stages of my cycle and therefore how that was going to impact on my mood, how that was going to impact on how I felt about myself and my life, it was transformational. This knowledge is really game changing and life changing. So I hope that you really, really love this episode. And again, I know I say this a lot, but please do share this one with at least a couple of friends. I think all mothers, all women need to know this content. Often we weren't taught it by our own mothers so this is something that for a lot of us i know for me it was new information so please 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 help me to share it and yeah let's continue the conversation on instagram motherkind underscore zoe we always continue to chat about each episode i'm in the dms often you can ask me any questions and i know Maisie is the same so we will see you over on instagram and here is the episode i hope you really enjoy it so Maisie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Been I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too, me too, because I just love, 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 love your book, Period Power, and I just cannot wait to get into the conversation with you about it. So where did your passion come from? How did you end up writing a book called Period Power? Oh, yeah, it had quite a long gestation
1: period, I have to say. wasn't nine months. Um, Well, yes, the actual birth of it was quite rapid, but the time that came before it, I think this is the thing, when you see someone who's created something, it always seems like it's popped out of nowhere, and actually there's like 10 years of work that's gone into that before they've even got to the point of creating the thing, and that was absolutely the case for me. So I wrote the book very quickly, I had like five months from getting the contract to handing the book in. But behind that, I had over a decade of experience as a women's health practitioner, really specializing in the menstrual cycle and fertility and pregnancy. I also worked as a birth doula during that time. So really, all of my work was focused on business of the womb, one way or another. But prior to that, I had quite a history of horrific period pain. So I think as much as I was just totally fascinated by women's bodies, And the remarkable feats that we achieve, constantly and consistently, we don't really get any props for how amazing our bodies are. So I was always really fascinated by the science of our bodies and the art of what our bodies do as well. But behind that was a very personal experience of debilitating period pain and going on my journey to heal that pain, which I did successfully. But as part of that, I learned about lots of different therapies and different approaches. And that's what got me focused in the way that I work and the types of treatments that I use. Mm.
0: How did you heal it?
1: Oh, I tried everything pretty much under the sun, all types of things. But for me, what worked really well was a combination of acupuncture and abdominal massage and also looking at my diet and lifestyle because I think this is the thing often with women's health issues sometimes there is one thing that is a bit like a magic bullet and it can make a big difference but really when we're talking about women's health we have to look at it from all the different angles and it's like yes treatments can get you somewhere often quite quickly But it's only going to work so well or last so long if you do all the other work that's necessary. And often, particularly mums, we're so depleted that it can be hard to really summon the energy to do something and to make a change, even though we absolutely know that we need something to change. It can be so hard to take that first step. So I think working with practitioners is really helpful because they can take those first steps with you get you into a stronger place, and then you've got the momentum and you can see where you're going with it and you're in a stronger place to make the changes that you need to.
0: It's so true, isn't it? I think... So often we just want that panacea. we just want that pill that we can take. Sometimes we are prescribed the pill when we're younger, right? We just want the pill that we can take that can make it all better. But what I'm hearing and what is in the book a lot actually is around responsibility and educating ourselves and self-care and really empowerment. Absolutely. That's
1: the thing is so much of when it comes to health is handed over to the professionals and those professionals absolutely have their place in all their forms those are all the types of healthcare professionals but I think it's really important that we realize that we are the professionals of our own body and we are the ones who are in touch with our own wisdom and our own needs and we have a responsibility to ourselves and to those around us to really tune in to what our needs and our desires are and to be able to express them to the people around us and to ask for help where appropriate
0: Mm, and I want to talk about this because it's something that's impacted my life so much is understanding my cycle and being able to ask for help at different points in that cycle I was totally unconscious before so can you talk through what you call your period 101 particularly the seasons For someone who has no idea what we might be talking about, you know, what is that and how can we use that to make our lives easier as busy mums? I'll do my best. (laughs) About three questions in one. We've got time, we can meander. Let's start off
1: at the beginning. So, when we talk about the menstrual cycle, just so that we're all on the same page, when we talk about the menstrual cycle, it's the start of one period to the start of the next period. So for some people that might be 28 days, for others it might be 32, there are variants there. So the menstrual cycle is that whole length of time during which ovulation is really the star of the cycle and that occurs on around day 14 of a 28 day cycle and it splits the cycle up into two sections. So you have from the start of your period to ovulation which is called the follicular phase. And this is when your follicles, which contain an egg, are developing and maturing. And as a result of that, you're producing oestrogen in increasing amounts. So as you get closer to ovulation, oestrogen peaks just beforehand. It causes an increase in cervical fluid, often to the point where it kind of resembles raw egg whites. It can increase sexual desire. It can make you more social, more extroverted. You know, estrogen's job is to get you out there in the world and to find a potential mate and get knocked up. Whether that's something you actually want or not, that's what estrogen is trying to get you to do. So there's this social, possibly flirty, possibly sexual element in the run-up to ovulation because, of course, that's when you're in your fertile window. So oestrogen is driving our behavior in order to do what mother nature wants us to ultimately do. So then after ovulation, everything shifts very quickly. And I really notice this amongst mums. There's some certain points in the cycle that I think can be quite different for mums. So i will come back to that in a moment. As oestrogen is peaking just before ovulation, testosterone also peaks. And that makes us quite daring, willing to try new things, quite competitive. So you often have this picture around ovulation of feeling invincible and like you can do anything, right? And not everyone's experience will be like that. But generally speaking, I think we can all kind of recognize that that's a tendency there. Then after ovulation, those hormones plummet, and you don't really have much going on hormonally immediately after ovulation but then you start to produce a hormone called progesterone which dominates the second half of the cycle so from ovulation to the start of your next period and progesterone is progestation so it's there so that we can conceive and sustain a pregnancy and to that end you know then we have to think well how does that drive our behavior and progesterone is because in case we were pregnant is trying to keep us safe and it's trying to bring in more calories in case we're pregnant (laughs) so this is when you get an increase in appetite and actually it's interesting because estrogen prior to ovulation causes a kind of slight appetite suppression at the same time as it causes an increase in sexual desire and it's like you know get out of the kitchen and get out on the street kind of scenario. (laughs) Post-ovulation, we have progesterone trying to keep us safe. So this is the typical picture. It's like maybe you're less inclined to go out, you're more likely to be on the sofa watching Netflix and eating vast amounts of carbohydrates. The first half of the cycle can be remarkably different to the second half of the cycle. And I like to look at things from the hormone point of view, as well as the Chinese medicine point of view, because I'm a trained acupuncturist, but it was really the pioneering work of Alexandra Pope and Shani Hugo Wurlitzer, who are the founders of Red School. They created the Four Seasons approach to the cycle, and I did an apprenticeship with them, and it all kind of slotted into place, actually, while I was up breastfeeding my son, night after night after night, you know, when you're just kind of sat there breastfeeding, and not able to do anything at two o'clock in the morning, but you have all these thoughts going round and round in your head. And that was how the book actually came to me because I suddenly started putting all my training into place with the framework that Alexandra and Shani had taught me, which is the Four Seasons approach to the cycle. So their approach, which they very generously allowed me to use in the book, makes it really an accessible way to understand the cycle. And it also gives us a language to communicate what's going on. So the seasons are distinct, but they're not actually periods of time. So it's not like everyone has a seven-day winter or a five-day spring or whatever. It all depends on your experience. But generally speaking, the time when you are menstruating, when you have your period, is your inner winter. Then as you come out of your period and in the run-up to ovulation, you're in your inner spring. And then around ovulation, you enter your summer. And then when you hit that premenstrual time which some people love, but it can be quite rocky for some people, particularly mums, I would say, then you are in autumn. And then when you come to the time where your period's beginning, you reach your winter again. So it's a really fantastic way of understanding the cycle. And there are definitely points in there, I would say, where mums struggle. And it all comes back to this point of depletion, and how depleted we are, and how how much emotional labor we're doing, how much unpaid labor we're doing and how we are ultimately way, way, way overstretched. The cycle is always responding to the feedback that we're giving it and that's the internal feedback of what's going on in our bodies but also the external environment around us and it's always responding to that. So we would be wise to pay attention to our experience of the cycle because it is often the canary in the coal mine of there's something not quite right with your health or with your life
0: that needs to be changed. So what might that look like? When is that season when you see mums particularly struggling? Is it autumn? Yeah, it can be autumn. I would say what can happen is
1: As you're coming out of your period, so this is typically when you would hope that someone would notice an increase in positive mood and an increase in energy as estrogen gets going. But if you're really wiped out, either just generally or because you have a very heavy flow and you're losing a lot of blood, then you can be wiped out in your spring because spring is a great season for parenting. It really is because you have a natural curiosity. And an interest in doing things and exploring and having fun. You know, this is the season when I love getting right on the ground with my son and seeing what he's up to and like being really attuned to him in a really fun way. So that's something we could all do with as mums. But if you're wiped out on whatever level, maybe you're iron deficient or maybe you're just overstretched, then you're not going to be able to enjoy the traits of that part of the cycle so often what I see is around day six of the cycle mum's hitting a wall and that can be because they maybe managed to take some downtime whilst they were in the heaviest part of their period but then suddenly they're like well I had my two hours in bed and now I've just got to crack on with life so they're just going at it too soon I think that's really the biggest one is just trying to do too much. And often there can be guilt coming in for taking time off or for requiring our own time that is separate to our family. So that can be a struggle. And I often see mums struggling immediately after ovulation. And that plummet in hormones affects mums quite severely sometimes. And I think especially the contrast of feeling perhaps quite capable and confident. And that sense of invincibility suddenly just deteriorates and maybe going to a place that feels quite vulnerable, sad. And I think, you know, that's when the inner critic can really start to jump in. So that's a point. And then autumn, I reckon for mums can be so hard because that's often a season where We just want to go off on our own and focus on the things that are important to us and aren't about families and it's more about taking care of ourselves or perhaps wanting someone to take care of us at that point in the cycle or to be among our peers instead of people who require something of us and, you know, just to enjoy time with our friends. But, of course, the reality is that you're just like, Trying to hide in the toilet and have a wee in peace. <laughs> so
0: Well, I love so you know. much about the cycle approach and your whole approach is the word that just keeps coming up for me is self-compassion is that when we understand this cycle, because I was that type of person, I had no idea when I was in my cycle. I had no idea of any of this knowledge. And it was actually my husband who used to say to me, I'd be crying saying, I can't cope with my life. I hate my life. I want to change everything. And He'd say, is it your period soon? Like sort of wincing, knowing that I might just growl at him. But that's how unconscious I was. And I think when we can start to understand this knowledge and then track our own cycles, it can just bring so much self-compassion. So I know today when that critic's roaring or when I just want to retreat, I don't need to change my whole life. I just need to understand that's where I'm at in my cycle. Exactly. And I think
1: really the only criticism that I come up against for my approach is when people say to me specifically, oh, well, it's okay for you because you've got your own business. So you can change your life to suit your cycle. And I'm like, really, I wish I could do that. I definitely can't do that. And sure, having my own business does mean I can be flexible at some points. But having a three-year-old doesn't mean that I can be flexible at points.
0: Yeah, because I've noticed it a bit on social media and a bit of the chat is about when you've got this knowledge, design your life around your cycle, you know, so when you know you're going to be feeling confident, book your talks in for then. And I get the principle, but I think for 99.9% of people, that's totally unrealistic. That's why I think it's more about self-knowledge and then self-compassion.
1: Yes, that is exactly it. And I think, you know... The reality is that most of us will be able to make some changes, but they're unlikely to be to the degree that we would love to change things. But I like to use the analogy of it being like the weather. You know, like if you look out the window and you know it's going to be a rainy day, then yeah, some days you might think, oh, I'll just stay in instead of going out and, you know, meeting my friend for a coffee or whatever. But most of the time, you're just going to put on a raincoat and some decent boots and walk out the door. But you just know what the weather is going to be like. So you're prepared for that. And you can mentally get used to that idea and what your day is going to be like. And that's exactly what it is with taking into account where you are in the cycle. And it is all about self-compassion and talking to ourselves with more kindness and more awareness and just going easy on ourselves, particularly at the points in the cycle where it is to do with what's happening with our hormones. So for example, right before your period starts, so about a couple of days before, yeah, like 48 hours before your period starts, you stop producing that progesterone that is supporting the second half of the cycle. And so you go from producing it in quite high amounts to having, again, another drop off. And that's when I describe it as you just turn into a hot mess. You know, you might go from feeling quite calm because progesterone can have, not on all women, but on I suppose we can say most women, it has a calming effect on the nervous system. So in that second half of the cycle, there's probably a week where you sleep really easily and sleep deeply and feel quite calm and focused, hopefully. And then right before your period starts, that progesterone drops off and you suddenly have insomnia, might start having night sweats, maybe feeling anxious and the word that comes up a lot is feeling pathetic and like you can't do anything. And what's the point in life? And oh, I'm, I can't get this done, you know. And I w- once had a client who was trying to implement a new exercise routine at that point in her cycle, which was like, oh, it's just useless. You know, I couldn't get to the gym. I couldn't do anything. It felt like my, arm, my arms and legs weren't moving properly. It was like, yeah, because you've got no hormones on your side to help you do that. If you'd waited a week later you would have had estrogen on your side being like yeah get out there girl try something new and really go for it so it's just having the awareness of what your hormones are doing and being able to say oh yeah do you know what maybe this isn't a day to go all out maybe this is a day where I'll just get by and see what I can do but I'm not going to push myself and I'm not going to berate myself for not succeeding in the things that I'm more capable of at other points in my cycle."
0: The other thing that I absolutely love about this knowledge is then sharing it with our families. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. How do you and your partner navigate your cycle?
1: Well, it's really interesting. This year has been an interesting one because I talk very openly about my cycle. Of course, I think like half of Margate knows what's going on with my cycle (laughs) all the time. But I do speak to him and I'll say, well, I'm at the point of my cycle where blah, blah, blah. And sometimes he can guess. And I reference this in the book that there's a point in my cycle where once estrogen gets going, I just start taking the piss out of him, having a laugh. And, you know, I get like that sassy element to my personality and he'll just like shake his head and be like, you're at that point in your cycle, aren't you? Where like, this is going to be my life for the next, (laughs) the next week (laughs) is you making fun of me it's really helpful, I have to say, because it helps us to plan who is in the primary parenting role on certain days. So there will be points where I know, yes, I can be, you know, it could just be a day with my son, if Paul was off doing something. But actually, what I prefer is for that to be a day where they have time together, and I get to go off and do something. Or Once in a while, if I really feel like I need that time and Paul is at work or something, then I'll hire a babysitter for a couple of hours so that I know I get that time on my own, which initially felt like such a massive splurge to do. And then I was like, actually, I need this. This time on my own to think in peace is really necessary for me and has huge benefits for my personal and professional life. But then, you know, coming on to how I communicated with my son. So when I got my first period back, he was about 18 months old. He was the first person I told. He was in the bathroom with me. I realized I'd started my period and I immediately was like, I've got my bleed. I call it my bleed. So I was like, I've got my bleed. And I showed him the blood and I just talked to him about it. And then I immediately told my boyfriend. He was like, gave me a massive hug. He knew how much I'd been kind of longing to get back into having a cycle again And it's something that I continue to communicate with my son. And I'll say, you know, I'm going to start bleeding soon. So remember, that means I'm not going to be carrying you around or picking you up a lot. And we're probably going to have a day on the sofa watching Paw Patrol. You know, so that's what he associates with it. And then he's like, yeah, and then you'll stop bleeding and then you'll pick me up again. Like, yeah. That's exactly it. So it works really well. And I just think it's really important to be communicating what's going on with our bodies to our children, regardless of their sex, because we just need to normalize it and break down the taboos and all the secrets and the shame and to get rid of all the disgust that on some level we have all been made to feel.
0: Yes, it's something that we don't talk about. We hide Absolutely, and what about language? Because with jessie who 's my three year old daughter, I have always used the normal language, so she talks about her vagina, she talks about mummy 's breast we 've never done foo foo and what do you do around language? Do you follow the same tracks? yeah,
1: totally, and I love that I have a three year old boy who says "vulva in such like a strong way. I feel like so many adults and I used to like really not like that word. I felt like it was a really ugly word, but now I've got used to saying it a lot. It kind of rolls off the tongue a bit more and it feels more natural, but he just says it so confidently and he knows the difference between a vulva and a vagina. By the way, if you're listening and you don't know, which the majority of women in the UK don't know the difference. So it's no shame But your vulva is your external genitals and your vagina is the internal tube that links your vulva to your uterus.
0: So he knows the difference. Jessie doesn't know the difference. But she says vagina. And I've noticed when I'm with other mums, I've noticed them raising their eyebrows. It's so interesting. Whereas to me, I feel like the reason it was so obvious to me is because I don't give her arm a weird name. And I felt like it's really shaming. If I give her vagina a weird name, what am I saying? I'm saying that this is something to be shameful about or this is something that we have to give a different name to. And that's not the message that I wanted her to get about her body. Yeah, exactly. And it's so wonderful
1: that you're doing that. And it's the same with with Nelson's body parts. It's like talking about his penis. And he came home from nursing and was like, they call it a willy. Like thinking that was such a weird thing. But, you know, talking about it in all normal ways and also responding to how, as far as I'm aware, all infants touch their genitals to self-soothe and talking about that in a way that doesn't result in shame and saying, oh, is that helping you to feel relaxed? And just like bringing in talking about genitals and just making, let's call it sex, you know, just bringing in those conversations from a very early age so that you don't have to have a big conversation when it's too late. You're already bringing it in from an early age. And when I've come up against it, not often, but sometimes people have said, well, why do you use the scientific terms? And like you, I'm like, well, we don't make up other weird names for other body parts. But I just kind of like to leap to the extreme. And this is where my boyfriend's always rolling his eyes. But I'll just talk about well, we know from the research that actually teaching children the proper name for their genitals helps to reduce instances of sexual abuse. And it helps to prosecute cases of sexual abuse. And like, no one can come back to you after you've said that to them about it. And I think that's actually a really important thing to be discussing and to be informing the kinds of discussions and the language that we use within our families.
0: It's really important. And how do we know what is age appropriate? So Jessie asked me, she's nearly four, and she asked me the other day how the baby was made. So I talked to her about it. I just said, well, this is what happens. and But I was thinking oh, I'm not entirely sure where the age appropriateness comes in. I went on instinct. But have you got any wisdom that we could, what is an age appropriate, what's helpful, what's not? Yeah, it's interesting. So you have to look at the context of your
1: family and thinking about your children and what feels appropriate for them. But I think it's often easier if you start these conversations from a very young age because there are certainly women I've worked with who are mums whose children are six, for example, and they are scared of blood somehow. So it's harder to bring it in then. But there's a fabulous account on Instagram called Sex Positive Families, and they talk about a lot of these things. And that's really wonderful. But I think what most important before even getting to the point of having these conversations is to really be reflecting on our own experiences and thinking about how that is weighing in on what we're prepared to talk about and to be very conscious of the patterns that are passed down through generations within families and that messaging that keeps getting passed down and thinking very intentionally about what you want to change and how we want our children to grow up to feel empowered and at home in their bodies and to not feel shame around normal bodily function whether that's bleeding whether that's erections whether that's cervical fluid all of these things are normal and it's all part of our physiology and human behavior so I think that earlier we can bring in conversations around that,
0: the better it's going to be for all of us. Is this something you're transforming or is this something your parents taught you and you got right, hence the passion? So when I
1: got my first period, my mum, I'm sure this is going to be familiar, a story for lots of people listening, gave me what seemed like the most humongous size pad to use, you know, and I was having some cramps and she was just like, well, it's just part of being a woman. And, like, this is what you've got to put up with. Decades later, I spoke to her when I started doing all this work. I wanted to know what her experience of her first period was like and to speak about her pregnancies and her postpartums and about her menopause and really know her stories. So I asked her about her first period, and I was just astounded when she said that her mum had given her an absolutely huge pad and told her the same thing and how much she hated it. And I said, mum, I just want to bring your attention to something, that that's my story as well. I know that she did the best with what she had and the level of awareness, but I I just couldn't believe it. It's like we had the exact same story and she wasn't happy with her experience with her mum, but it was repeated with me. Uh, and I think that has definitely influenced, you know, I grew up in a safe and happy home and I was raised to be confident and independent. So I think, and also my mum had great books on her bookshelf. She had Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom by Christiane Northrup on her bookshelf so I read that when I was 16. Wow. You know this is like the early seeds of my career came from that so I was very fortunate to grow up in a home where there wasn't shame and there wasn't disgust but what there was was this and I think it's very very common our comments like if you are wanting to be alone or wanting quiet time and someone else in the family dynamic isn't happy with that and then in my mum's case saying what's the matter is it that time of the month and writing it off so writing off the emotional experience whatever it is as being hormonal or that time of the month which I have an issue with from a personal experience but also professionally I think we do ourselves a disservice even when we write it off as PMSing because the things that come up for us as issues when we're premenstrual are likely triggers that are there all cycle long but in the first half of the cycle estrogen's just glossing over those details of things that bother us so that pile at the bottom of the stairs or the dishes in the sink that haven't been done oestrogen makes us care less about those things because if we were angry with our mates about them at that point in the cycle then we probably wouldn't be having sex with them.
0: Mm, and I think that whole as you say, that language around, oh, is it that time of the month? It's tinged with so much shame. And it's the opposite of what we were talking around on self-compassion, isn't it? It's the opposite of that. So with our daughters in particular, I know you've got a some, but with our daughters, is there anything you would invite us to be bringing in around this conversation? I'm going to start talking to Jessie a lot more about the seasons and hormones. Is there anything else like that that's important I think that's the
1: thing is really thinking about the whole of the menstrual cycle. So when we talk about the menstrual cycle, the emphasis is often on the time when we're bleeding, but there's all the other hormonal events. And actually ovulation is the star of the show and you have to ovulate. Well, you don't have to. In a menstrual cycle where you are ovulating, you have to ovulate to have your period. So, you know, talking about that and bringing in that language. And I think There are so many opportunities to do that in an interesting way. Have you come across Jane Bennett? She's an Australian author. She has a fabulous book called A Blessing Not a Curse. And she does work specifically with mothers and daughters. And so I definitely recommend checking her out because that is the field that she works in, whereas I tend to work with women who are older. So checking her out would be what i invite you to do
0: Mm, it's so important because like you say this cyclical you know if we can give our daughters and sons you know a different mindset and a different empowerment attitude around this that's what they're going to pass on and i think that's the thing is also especially with the males
1: in our lives whether it's boys or or male partners But it's also, I think, helpful for young girls to understand if they can't get the concept of the length of time for a menstrual cycle is to talk about the 24-hour cycle and how when you wake up in the morning, some of us are a bit groggy, some of us are bright and sparky, especially children. But then there's a lull in the day where they might feel a bit tired. And then there's a time in the day where they want to do a certain activity. And it's talking about how cyclical our life is and then reflecting on that and saying particularly for males is to say the menstrual cycle is just a longer period of time so when you know men don't get it and they think oh we're just a roller coaster you can just say well you know you have dips in your day you have peaks of energy and points in time where you're feeling a bit more tired or feeling more productive or more social and that's exactly what the menstrual cycle is like
0: such a good way of describing it because all children get that at lunchtime they normally need to sit down <laughs> it's like, yeah it's, yeah. it's or a, a top up snack or you know there's all of that yeah it's a really really good way of describing it and I did want to ask you one thing which was about our daughters or starting periods earlier yes because I'm I'm just hearing that what are the some of the stats on that is that real it feels to me like it is yeah it is happening sooner and that's thought to be
1: partially to do with body composition and childhood obesity and your body reaching a threshold and a point in the maturation process where your body suddenly starts getting the signal like, okay, let's start releasing eggs because your body's getting primed for possible pregnancy. So it can be to do with body composition, but it can also be to do with exposure to hormone mimicking chemicals in the environment and our exposure to them through food or our environment
0: is there such a thing as an average age and where is it now I'm sure there is I can't think of what it is off the top of my head because you he- I'm hearing of girls like 10 11
1: I spoke to someone the other day whose daughter is nine which you know just breaks my heart it really does it's not a good situation at all but this is why it's important to be having conversations because if you think you know that a 7 year old or an 8 year old is too young well, actually, she could already be getting those signals from her body to start menstruating in the coming years.
0: It's a really good point. It's a really good point. And I love your point about just having these conversations early so that you don't have to have that sit down like I had. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The one that no one likes. Just awkward, comfortable comfortable. awkward for everyone. No one yeah. wants that. So I love that, around starting early. Before we close, I just wanted to ask you, because – you are a mum and because you do have all this amazing wisdom and knowledge is there anything else that you want the mums listening to this that we haven't touched upon that you think is really important for them to reflect on or to go and look at or maybe just an invitation
1: when you're in the motherhood phase of life and you're in the run-up to menopause possibly already in perimenopause so perimenopause is that period of time before your periods stop when you start getting what we call as menopausal symptoms so like insomnia mood changes irritability tends to be a big one night sweats hot flushes that kind of thing so there's this time from pregnancy until menopause where our cycles are really working us and it can feel like really hard work. It is hard work being a mum and being a woman with a menstrual cycle. It often feels like those two things are like a double whammy that you're getting hit round the head with on a daily basis. So it can feel like hard work. But it is also an incredible gift and an opportunity to discover yourself and the essence of yourself through working with your cycle. I think it's really important to make the most of that whilst you are still in your menstruating years and before you transition into your menopausal years, which bring an entirely different experience and power to them. But when we are in our menstruating years, our cycle is preparing us physically and psychologically for that transition. And that transition can be very positive. It can also be a bit of a tricky ride for some people. So I think it's important for us to be doing the work with each menstrual cycle so that by the time we're coming up at that point in our life, we at least, like you said, have that self-compassion and understanding of ourselves. Mm,
0: it's beautiful. I just like the seasons of our cycle. It's almost like the seasons of our Life, isn't it? Which is a whole other conversation, a beautiful conversation that I also love talking about. I love it when we just raise things up a level like that. It's so helpful, isn't it? I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mums in the world, what would it be and why?
1: A lie down, I think. (laughs) A nice lie down in peace with no one disturbing you, just to have that time for yourself whatever you want to do with it i think we could all do with that and it's hard because even when you do have that time it can take a while to soften into it and it often feels like oh great yeah i've got this time but actually you spend all that time trying to get into that state of relaxation that we're craving and then just as you get there is when your boyfriend's sticking his head around the door going can we get back on track now
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so true. I, so many mums say that to me. They say, I'll get a window of time, but I'll spend 50% of it trying to decide what to do. Should I watch a movie? Should I sleep? Should I read my book? Should I meditate? Should I do yoga? You know, that panic of like, yeah. what should I do with this time? And I always say, yeah. have that prepared. Know what works for you. Know what you're going to do. Yeah, exactly that's
1: such that. a good tip. Yoga Nidra is fantastic. You know, there's lots of free things you can listen to online, but that's just a yoga practice where you're listening to a very relaxing script. And I think it's roughly speaking, it's meant to be like if you listen to that for 20 minutes, sitting or lying down, it equates to two hours sleep. So that I think is really great. And especially for mums who have young children who can't nap when the baby naps, even though everyone's telling you that's what you should be doing. And that's what you would love to do that's a really great way to rest and replenish your energy.
0: Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of Yoga Nidra. I'll put some links in the show notes. So if people, you know, maybe you send me a couple you like, I'll put a couple I like in there and then people can access that. So if someone wants to learn more about you, they can go to your website. But what I'm really excited about is that you are launching a membership community, aren't you? Tell us a bit about that.
1: So the membership is called The Flow Collective, and it's all about putting what's in the book into practice, basically. Every month, we're going to have a monthly theme, which might be something like nutrition for hormone health or dealing with rage, parenting through the cycle. And it's going to be a mixture of expert level information from me and guest experts and Q&As with me and community sharing circles where we're getting to hear each other's stories, experiences, struggles. So I'm really excited about it because it's low cost and it's accessible. And I know that my community have been really wanting a community after the book. And so I've been really pushing myself this year to get it up and running. So that's going to be Starting soon. And where does someone join that? So they can join the waitlist through my website for when the doors open. So the doors open, I think it's November 4th for a few days. That's the top of my head. So if they go to com forward slash the flow collective, right. they'll join.
0: I will be there. I will sign up for sure. Thank you so much for this conversation. I've absolutely, I knew I would, but I've just absolutely <laughs> loved it. <laughs>
1: Well, I've been really looking forward to it too. So thank you very much for having me.
0: All right. Thank you. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also, just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme, which is a three-month programme called Reconnect To You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.